Hi, I'm Ryan Dodge-Cook, and this is Summit to Talk About, your one-stop podcast for all things hiking, hills, wild camping, and the great outdoors. Have you looked outside this weekend? Spring is definitely in the air. Daffodils, tulips, sunshine are plenty, and I am absolutely buzzing because I don't like the cold, and it actually feels like the outdoor season is finally beginning. At the time of recording this, it's Friday afternoon, and tomorrow I'll embark on a 50km hike along the North Yorkshire coastline with Robust Tours. Check out his episode, absolutely brilliant, and I am absolutely bricking it, but cannot wait to get on that walk tomorrow. On Sunday, I'll be at the National Outdoor Exhibition at the Birmingham NEC, so I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some of you there. There's also a buzz across social media of people finalising their plans for some of their bigger adventures this year, including multi-day long-distance hikes. And if this is you, and you haven't already, you should check out the Hiker app. Hiker have over 7,000 trails loaded into the app so you can plan your next hiking adventure, whether that's on your doorstep or around the world somewhere. Each of the trails gives you the full route, and many are packed with info along the trail, such as accommodation, food stops, and shops. The app is free to download, so you can start exploring straight away. Or you can upgrade to Hiker Pro and unlock all the cool features, such as downloadable maps, so that you can save your juice on the trail. Join the ever-growing Hiker family now, and if you choose to upgrade to Hiker Pro, please use the code STTA at checkout. In this episode, I am joined by Abby Barnes, founder of Spend More Time in the Wild. Abby is passionate about the outdoors and the environment and has been making films about it from just 13 years old. Listen out for some of Abby's tips for first-time wild campers, as well as all the juicy info from her big 2021 project, Abby Bikes Britain. I hope you enjoy. Abby Barnes, all-round adventurer and filmmaker and founder of Spend More Time in the Wild, which is an absolutely fantastic company that you've started. And... Abby, I've been following you for a long time on uh, on social media and across the internet, and it's it's my pleasure to actually have you on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Right, first of all, I just want to go back to the very very beginning, uh, Abby, because I do this with all my my guests, and there's always a story, and everybody's story is is unique, and everybody's story is of interest one way or another. So I like to go back to the very beginning because. You live this now as your life. This is your professional life, your personal life. The outdoors is what you do and who you are. So I want to see how that begun. Where was that seed first planted? Um, because reading on your website, you've got um, filmmaking going right back to the age of 13 years old, which is absolutely incredible. But what what was it that planted that seed before that? How did we get to that stage? And, and then where did we go from there? Yeah, totally. So really, the outdoors has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, my family actively encouraged me and my two younger brothers to have a very outdoorsy lifestyle, you know, from rock pooling, climbing trees. Uh, we would constantly be going on walks in the Lake District, Yorkshire Dales, Wales. I mean, very sort of privileged in that sense. I'll never take that for granted. And honestly, I'd say that's truly where the seed was planted, just by being immersed in the natural world. And it was only really a bit further on, sort of around the age of 12, 12-ish, 11, 12, 13, that I sort of became a bit more independent in my fascination there. 
um, I, you know, as with many people, was very drawn to sort of David Attenborough's documentaries, Planet Earth, that sort of thing, and just fascinated by the natural world. And from an early age, I wanted to be a, a safari guide or, you know, a wildlife filmmaker. And so I really started digging into what was sort of more behind wildlife. So, you know, the the web that is nature. Um I go out and watch the badgers, the foxes. I get familiar with the birds um, so much so that now, you know, I'm, I'm taking friends for walks and I'm just like, oh, that's a wren. Oh, that's a great spotted woodpecker. They're like, what? That was like one chirp. <laughs> um, but it just became truly ingrained in, in who I was and almost very instinctive, you know, um, just building that familiarity with the natural world from a young age and realizing so early on that I too am a part of nature. And and the other side to that really was that it was my sanctuary, it was my my safe place, almost my home. Uh, I struggled a lot with with my schooling, um, a lot of different schools and a lot of different bullying situations. So getting outside was certainly my remedy. It was my escapism, and it was the animals that I understood more than anything else. Still kind of do, but that's a <laughs> that's a side. Um, but it was when I was 13 that I took this all a little bit more seriously because I became aware of different environmental issues. And one of the most prominent ones that I tend to share uh, is the education I gained around the unsustainable production of palm oil. Now, palm oil is um, a vegetable oil. It's widely used across food, cosmetic products. I mean, generally speaking, they say it's in between 50 and 80% of household products uh, under a whole bunch of different names. Now, it originates from Western Africa, but it's in the last sort of 10, 15 years that it's blown out of proportion. Uh, and we're seeing this as a, a monocrop, so a single crop um, covering huge swathes in Indonesia, Borneo, um, even right across now to South America. And the, the big issue is, A, a monoculture, unlike a rainforest, which per square acre would have tens, if not hundreds of different flora species, one tree can't sustain life alone. The other is that in order to um, cultivate these monocultures, you know, you get slash and burn, you get illegal removal of rainforest. That obviously contributes to the loss of uh, endemic and endangered species um, and very significantly indigenous people as well, which are very rarely given a choice or a say on the land in which they've called home for many generations. Mm. So it's a very heartbreaking situation. And at the age of 13, I was very unhappy with this injustice. And so I decided to speak out. Um, and my family got me a little Sony Handycam with the full-on disc that whacks in the oh, side. Yes. Still got it. Fondly, fondly cherished. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I turned it on. I sat in a tree and I started talking to it. Um, and then I legally copy and pasted some uh, very nasty parable pictures and stuck them on top. And I sent it off to um, the the young people's trust for the environment. They were running a film competition where basically up to the age of, I think it was 18, you could enter a film about an environmental issue and um, join the competition, so to speak. Now, it turns out that with my uh, my rant, essentially, <laughs> and my illegally copied pictures, um, I managed to find myself speaking in the European Parliament in Brussels, went across with my mum and the team um, in partnership with Eurostar and spoke in front of MEPs about the issue and really lobbied uh, for the, the labelling of palm oil in products so that consumers can make informed decisions. Uh, I teamed up with a few other people who are very passionate about the situation. We set up World Orangutan Day. 
um, which is out of my hands now, but um, we were the founders of that. And essentially then just sort of continued on with the mission to to shout for those that have no voice, namely animals and, and different natural habitats. And that then followed through into trying to focus my attention a bit closer to home with marine debris. And I shot a film about um, plastics in the ocean called Save Our Oceans, originally named. And um, again, short film, age of 15, won a competition awarded by Sir David Attenborough. And to be honest, it just propelled forwards from there um, in terms of being able to do a little bit of work with the BBC Natural History Unit, just sort of um, shadowing. And then essentially it morphed into my very own journey that became Song Thrush Productions. And now here we are at Spend More Time in the Wild. Wow. And that was, uh, and that's the, the quickest way of putting it. Um, but <laughs> I can imagine so much went on when you say, you you know, you, you've worked alongside the BBC and the United Nations as well, I've read. You, you've, you've been involved in quite a lot. And from such a young age, what a way to kickstart your, not only your life, but your, your career as well. What a fantastic way to go. And and you've just mentioned there that you've, you've set up now your own production company and you've been making videos ever since, haven't you? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and those videos, they're, they're quite varied, aren't they? So not only are they uh, talking about the natural world and the environment, you, you move on to talk about your love of the outdoors and just sort of vlogging, I suppose is one way of putting it, is vlogging your adventures outside. Yeah, so... Um... You know, with the focus on the environment uh, as sort of the core of who I am and what I was doing, Song Thrush Productions I set up as a production company, um, basically from the age of 13, I tend to say. That's really where the conception began. Um, and then over the years, it was really around 2016, 17, that Spend More Time in the Wild came to fruit um, off the back of essentially getting into hiking and backpacking by myself. So I'd done a little bit with my mum. We'd went out and done the West Highland Way, Hadrian's Wall, coast to coast. We had a sort of thing where, you know, you do one trail per year and it was always very nice. Um, We'd be in bead along the way and it just wasn't quite fulfilling me in the way that I felt this pull that needed to be addressed. Um, And so it was in 2016 that I went out and started hiking by myself and I set myself the goal of hiking all of the UK's designated national trails. Now, at the time, there were 15. It was over two and a half thousand miles in total. I'd given myself a year to do it and I was going to document the journey just through self-filming, exactly as you say. I managed three and then I had to basically pull out of the project uh, because of my mental health. And at this point, I was working as a personal trainer in a gym full time. and I quit that job in order to undertake this project. Um, really, it was a step back into the filming after sort of A-levels and just trying to take a bit of a break. Um, and it came crumbling down. And it felt very much like the time um, after I finished my A-levels where I'd gone to climb Mount Kilimanjaro to shoot a film about global climate change. Basically, the highlight of my life, really, one of them, and came back down and I hit this major depression and it was sort of all around this time, it's, it's pretty messed up in my head, to be honest, in terms of the chronological order, but that I, I really started to learn that I was struggling with my mental health. Um, and as a very honest and authentic person who has never really been able to wear a mask, it's far too exhausting. I found I just couldn't keep my mouth shut, essentially. <laughs> and so after those three tra- three trails that I managed on that um, National Trails Challenge, I then started to talk up, essentially, um, about my mental health and just ever so slightly what was going on, you know, purely from a place of empowerment and offering a hand to others. It was never about sort of self-indulgence. 
um, it was certainly about, okay, this is definitely some other kind of, dare I say, calling to, again, communicate and speak out and alongside those who are unable to do so for themselves. And the years that followed were very turbulent. Again, continued my work <clears throat> as a personal trainer, um, but the heart was beating and the mission was growing and spend more time in the wild is now a full-time gig. And it is, it is exactly mental health and environmental conservation as, as the core focus. Exactly that. And and the, the sort of the phrase that goes that, that follows whenever you say spend more time in the wild it, it, it follows on with that that exactly really doesn't it it talks about the the benefits of spending more time outside for physical and mental health which is absolutely fantastic and we, and we spoke about that quite a bit on the podcast how being outdoors goes hand in hand with uh, mental well-being and and improving your mental well-being it doesn't fix it we know that but we know how good it is and it sounds like we go on about it all the time but it's so true isn't it and and you can speak for that i can speak for that many people have done and and i think like what you said there and it goes back to where you said you are now putting a voice out there for those that can't and it started off with animals and it's led to to realizing that there's actually us as humans sometimes can't feel like that we can speak out about the things that are going on inside our heads and for you to take that step up and actually be quite open and honest and actually quite raw about it. And that's something I've always noticed in your videos, how you, you don't hold back and it, there's no need to. It's not something that we should be holding back on. And I think that that helps people say, you know what, actually, I can do that. There's no reason why I can't speak about my feelings and thoughts in the same way that Abby is, for example. So it definitely does help, even in small ways for some people, but and, and even in bigger ways, because like you, you've started to uh, spend more time in the wild. And what I want to do is, is delve into that now, because that is, that is where we are now. That's the present. And that's where the majority of your adventures stem from now. So where did, where, where did the idea come from? Uh, what was it all about? And, and what have you done so far? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely so much we could dig into. Um, really, the phrase spend more time in the wild just came off the back of like, just realizing that being outside felt good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I think it's it's a very important thing for me to mention is that spend more time in the wild, yes, is absolutely about getting outside. But it's also about familiarizing ourselves with the fact that we are wild, you know, and that sort of modern day society and this pace of life that we're almost forced into from such a young age, from schooling right the way through to university jobs, everything, you know, the system, you could call it if I dare. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it seeks to separate us from the wild and from our wild. But we are one. We are whole. That's the whole Lion King circle of life, you know, and we're a part of that. Yeah. And a huge amount of mental health issues stem from a lack of connection, whether it's a lack of connection with nature, with other people, with meaning and purpose, um, with general sort of health and well-being from eating close to nature to sleeping close to nature. Like we are designed to move and breathe and be completely in sync with the natural world and we're just not and and that's certainly an element I'm trying to explore more in communicating through my work with wild but yeah the idea uh, as I say came back sort of in 2016 where I decided to open up about how the outdoors was was aiding me in my own mental health journey I've been incredibly crippled by my mental health for uh, most of my life, um, you know, with severe depression uh, and and all sorts of different things. I mean, I can certainly go into that if we, if we want to a little bit more. But you know, it it it's been 
so much so that it's almost become my identity. And what I've been doing over the years is separating myself like, okay, I'm just somebody who struggles with mental illness, but I'm not my mental health. And that's certainly something I, you know, try and communicate again, because it's very easy to slip into that. And then that takes tends to make it very hard to actually empower ourselves. So through getting outside, I use the trail as a medium and a metaphor to communicate the ups and downs of life. You know, just like when we're out hiking or cycling or any other outdoor endeavor, we go through hard times, we go through extravagant and amazing times, we're inspired by the views, we're bored to death, like it's, you know, (laughs) that is what life is like, and that's totally okay, there, there shouldn't be a constant, because change is inevitable, and the trail is, as I say, the perfect metaphor for that, so you know, when I'm out there, I use it as an opportunity, generally speaking, to communicate something that I'm learning, whether, as you'll see in the titles, it's learning to embrace the journey, it's learning to thrive. um, And that means tapping into things that make you feel alive. It's learning to embrace the ordinary, which is actually perfectly okay. We don't always have to chase extraordinary moments. It's about compassion and kindness and softness always. And all of these life lessons, you know, I, I just share them as I'm out and about wandering around the UK and beyond. <laughs> yeah. And, and and it does pass on that message every single time. And and seeing, and, and I've already said it, it's seeing you embracing it as well, not just seeing it as though it's a negative part of your life. You're embracing it, you're understanding it, and you're working on it so that you can learn to live with it. And a lot of people are struggling to try and find out how to learn to live with it and uh, and not being able to speak about it all of those things will will make it worse if anything and so like i said seeing you out and about and then one minute it's look at these beautiful views and actually also uh, i'm struggling at the moment and seeing all of that in one video is absolutely fantastic i really think it is more people should be able to to openly talk about it in the way that you do Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's so important for me, you know, to to share the parts of my story that feel okay to share. As I say, as an offering of to of a hand to those who are struggling, you know, that we have to fight, but not fight ourselves. <laughs> um, you know, we it's, it's, it really is about peace. You know, I, I also have really started opening up about my um, journey with chronic pain um and in my back which is just an everyday occurrence and it's drives me absolutely mad um and even in that sentence you know it's like well I'm kind of losing the fight there because it's just something I have to deal with you know right now and it doesn't mean I can't dig in it doesn't mean I can't stay curious but it's you know it's it's just something that right now I have to work with and stay compassionate towards because if we're constantly fighting our inner selves we're never going to move forwards and it's the same with those around us and it's it's the same with the mental health journey so um yeah, I feel very honoured and humbled every single time I get to upload a video. You know, I'll never, ever take it for granted. And everybody that tunes in, I'm so grateful because I really just try and leave it open to imp- people's interpretations and hold the space for them to do whatever journey they're doing alongside. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I noticed that you've done, you, you've said in the past, like you've got to a certain stage and you said, I feel like I need to do this now. I need to be out here doing this. And there's one particular video I think it was when you went uh, wild camping up Angle Tarns. Uh, it was, I can't remember, it was probably last year, maybe a year before that, I can't remember when it was now. Um, but I remember you'd got there and you you, you were sort of umming and ahhing almost about whether you should be going there or whether you shouldn't be going there, but you knew you needed to, and you felt like you needed to at that time. And that is so real, isn't it? And 
I think we all experience that. And I love how raw it is that you can put that out there for people to see. I really do. I think it's brilliant. You've set up this company, Spend More Time in the World, and it's to help inspire people to get outside for the benefits of the, their uh, mental health and for their uh, their physical health. You're a physical trainer, a personal trainer as well, so you've got all that knowledge. And I know you've done a few videos on personal training as well. You're doing that was it Wednesday workout, I think it was. Um, Wild Wednesday workout. Wild Wednesday workout. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. So do you still do a bit of that as well? Do you still do personal training work? Well, really, COVID sort of paused all of that. Um, I was uh, for, well, the last couple of years just running classes, essentially. I sort of stopped on the ground PT, um, but I'm a boxer size coach um, and a spin instructor. And I was doing the old circuits class here and there. And very good fun. That's actually how my partner and I met. Um, good old boxer size. <laughs> but yeah, that, that came to a close with, with COVID. And I haven't actually picked it back up since then because Wild has has been so full on. Um, and last year, 2021, with Abbey Bikes Britain being a rather large endeavour, um, it, it just felt like the right thing. And it, it pops into my mind every now and then, especially sort of in the winter season where I'm like, nah, you know, I could just run a course for 10 weeks or something. Yeah. But I haven't done because, again, I'm sort of deciding to take some tentative steps into using the medium of film and YouTube to reach a wider audience and it's definitely very vulnerable for me I think again all of this can sound like oh wow you know she's done this and she's done that but the whole way I have pushed through insane levels of anxiety you know it's never been easy and you know I I, this is definitely where I lean in on my faith on a day-to-day basis you know particularly when I was younger um, it's steered me and given me the courage where I haven't had that support necessarily around me it's been a very inward journey and and pushed through and the personal training was no different. You know, yeah. for example, before every class, I'd be sat in the car, like probably crying. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would be debating whether I could cancel for some reason. Um, I'd show up no matter what or whenever I could and uh, push through and generally have a really good time. Um, I certainly wasn't a military sergeant in my personal training style, <laughs> but I really did enjoy pushing people. And there was a very good camaraderie between us all. And then after the session, just the level of relief. But, you know, for two or three years, I still didn't move through that anxiety. You know, I just had to keep going, head down, keep believing, keep holding on. And it's the same with the trail and and everything else. So I just think that's an important thing to add in there, because just because someone's doing something doesn't mean it's easy. You know, yeah, Um, yeah. You have to keep showing up for yourself and the mission that you believe in. And I believe in those people, um, just as I believe in Wild and everybody that's that's touching now. So, yeah, uh, the mission continues and um, I'm trying to sort of feed in all these different avenues. And it's definitely far more than one person should be juggling, but I'm starting to bring in a bit of extra support. And we're running wild walks, back to running wild walks now every month across the country for people to get stuck into. We have our online community um, and a running community event such as gatherings. We've got a three peaks challenge coming up later this year. Um, obviously there's the YouTube, there's the podcast, there's different, uh, other mediums that I do. Uh, there, there's all sorts going on. <laughs> there really it. is. It's, it's yeah. completely <laughs> full on. And I couldn't imagine trying to get all of that in, um, the way you do. It's, it's just so much going on, but it's, it's great to be busy, isn't it? And that's, and it's great, especially coming out the back end of, of COVID now and being able to do all of those things and, and focus on getting all those things up and running again. And I know that you started doing the podcast again and getting that back up and running. So obviously we need to, we'll, we'll definitely signpost that at the end um, 
go and listen to Abby's podcast. Uh, and also the YouTube stuff is great because that's that's the the foundations really. I mean, that's how people get to see what you do. Um, that's how people have heard of of Wild and and have heard of your name through through social media, I guess. Uh, m- mostly those of the uh, those some people have been lucky enough to meet you on the trail, I guess as well. But I, I want to go back as well because I know you, you talk about your backpacking adventures and you started doing that one a year here and there, and then you thought, oh, actually, I'm going to try and do as many as I can. This is seems to be. The, the one thing now that you and you make your your feature length videos out of this and your latest one being the Cotswold Way which was a great video by the way thank you for many reasons one being I was sat there and I was saying to my wife I was like but look at the sunshine look how summery it is because <laughs> we're here in the winter now and we're getting all these storms and I was like but look at that summer look how dry it is and just little things like that that you notice and and you smiling the whole way around that and and I think I would have been as well, just because it looked amazing. Um, so much so that I've been on the hiker app looking it up, and, and it could well be my my trail this year. I don't know yet, but it looks fantastic. So, what other trails have you done? I know you've done uh, Tour de Mont Blanc as well. So you've been you've you've ventured uh, into Europe. Where else have you been? Well, um, would you like a list? We yeah, do let's again? do it, and then I'll <laughs> just right, fire some questions at you. Let's try this then. Okay, so starting from the beginning, I've done the West Island Way twice. That was the first trail I ever did way back in 2014. So that was when I first started backpacking. Then it was the Hadrian's Wall. Then it was Coast to Coast, which again, I've now done twice. Then it was the Cumbria Way. Then it was the Yorkshire Worlds Way, Ridge Way, South Downs Way. So those were the three on the national trails that I managed to do before I had to call that a day. Then we're into 2017, and I went and climbed Tupacul, which is the highest mountain in in Morocco um, in winter. Yeah, that was oh, the, the winter only thing I did as well. Wow. In winter, I know, right? <laughs> Crampons and everything. It was good yeah. fun. Uh, and to be honest, that was the real birthing of wild. When I was coming down that mountain, um, just realized uh, that that was the first time I felt like I truly had a bit of a vulnerability hangover because of what I'd said. Um, to the camera about my mental health but it felt so right and it was almost like okay seed had been planted in 2016 17 up and down that mountain uh by the time I was back down you know the shoot was up and that was it there was no going back from there yeah um 2018 then was West Highland Way again coast to coast Great Glen Way and what was the fourth one um another one that i can't remember right now it's pretty bad isn't it <laughs> yeah, then 2019 with all of those it's easy to see why you forget <laughs> i always forget sometimes i walk along like how many have i done now uh tour de mont blanc bear away the cleveland way and the cotswold way i'm definitely missing out a few now um and then we've done the malaveg my partner and i went and did that in eastern germany last year and probably a few other ones. There's a few other shorter ones as well. And I'm definitely missing a few out. But if you like the full itinerary, it's all on, on the YouTube channel. Um, but again, you know, it can sound like, okay, cool, a lot of trails. And absolutely it is because this is a full-time gig. And I generally, generally, before lockdown, was aiming for four a year because um, those are the feature-length films. And then it's day hikes all around the UK and wherever I possibly can, to be honest, um, in between that. Um, but, you know, the, the standout ones for me are the West Highland Way, when I first did that by myself in 2018, that was really where I sort of started tapping into the beating heart of wild and realizing that, okay, this is going to take some work, but I'm stepping into and dedicating myself to this, um, the people on the planet that this can help. And 2019 was the Tour de Mont Blanc. And there was one night in particular, and I actually have the picture up um, 
what's the first picture you'll see on the the homepage of my website, the one where I'm sat with my tent um, yeah. and the sunrise is coming up. That's at two and a half thousand meters on the Swiss Italian border. And basically I planned an itinerary that was going to take nine days. Um, and I ended up completing the route in Southern cause I was just buzzing. Wow. And there was this one night where I didn't have anywhere to stay. And it's actually illegal to wild camp in all of these places. Um, <laughs> But I had no choice but to keep going. And I got up to this point and decided to pitch my tent. And I have struggled with wild camping for a long time. I really enjoy it, but I struggle with it because very often it triggers episodes of psychosis, mm. um, which is intensely frightening. Especially um, at two and a half thousand meters on the mountain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I managed to get through that night without an episode. Uh, but basically, I'd sorted myself out that this is the key thing. You know, I'd sorted myself out. I'd gone through panic of walking away from the refuge, having nowhere to go, no plan. I got myself up that pass. I'd made the decision to camp there. I found a good place. I'd got my water. I looked after myself. And in the morning, I was rewarded with the sunrise. And honestly, the warmth of that morning, not just in the physical sense of the sun, but the achievement still burns within me. Yeah. You know, like that, that was a life change. That was a baptism right there of self-belief and ability. Mm. And, you know, I, I have this mission to push myself physically and mentally. Everybody's like, oh, you're so hard on yourself. Like you put so much pressure on yourself. And I do. But you know what? That's because I genuinely believe that nothing Nothing is ever going to be as hard for me to deal with in life as dealing with chronic mental health, dealing with the different suicide attempts and things that I've had to go through by myself and dealing with chronic pain on a day to day basis. You know, I unashamedly have my arms out, you know, and people can see my physical scars and they are reminders that I'm capable, that I'm loved, that I'm enough, that I'm so blessed to have this very day here on planet Earth. And that moment there on the Tour de Mont Blanc, as with other trails, has been the birthing of me and my vulnerability and my honesty into wild. I could yeah. very easily have just kept it as a company, as a business. Oh, yeah, we're running events. Get stuck in. Pay us some money. This is our profit. This is our turnover. It's never been that. It's never going to be that. Yeah. It's always going to be about me and my personal journey and inviting other people along to get stuck in and share theirs as well. It's about our common humanity. It's about not being afraid to feel afraid. And it's knowing that we're bravest when we do feel afraid, but we can still step up and we can still lean in and we can keep showing up. And that is the mission that I'm on, really, you know, and absolutely, there has to be some division because this is now a full time gig and there are bills to pay. <laughs> of course. But it, it's never about making money. It's it's really just about inspiring people. And it is about continuing to share my own personal journey along the way as well. Definitely. And I think that uh, without starting to try and make this some kind of business podcast, because that is definitely not me, um, <laughs> the, the fact that it's so authentic and raw is is the pull and that's what people want to see they obviously nobody wants to see a hard sale anyway but the, those the money and the success of a business will come with the authenticity behind it and you definitely got that balance right um because i've not ever once seen you say please come and buy this please come and do this uh 20 off today and you, you do, that's not that's not what we see from you and that's because people are buying into the passion that's behind it and not the business and it, it's so it's refreshing if anything mm. and i Thank just want you. to touch on that moment there on on mont blanc where you you sort of had that sunrise and that feeling and a lot of people will just say oh, i've had a lovely sunrise before on on a mountain and it felt great but actually i i completely understand where you're coming from with this and 
those sort of moments, those feelings within will only ever come from a build-up of everything that's gone before it. And it's not just going to be, I've pitched a tent and I'm going to get an amazing sunrise. Everything that has come up to that moment has given you that feeling and, and it's quite clearly a core feeling that's, that's stuck with you and probably will do for the rest of your life. Um, and I think people do need to challenge themselves. And you said that you struggled with wild camping in the past and a lot of people will be in the same boat and people who listen to this podcast I know will be wanting to get out wild camping for the first time and will have all those uh, those fears, those anxieties. And what sort of tips do you think that you could give somebody who is setting out to go wild camping for the first time with those anxieties and fears? Well, first of all, I have a video on that, so please check that out <laughs> if you want to watch it. Definitely. <laughs> um, no, I genuinely, the first thing I'd say is why do you want to do it? You know, there, there has to be a why behind anything, whatever you're struggling with anxiety or some other situation, um, you know, medical issue, whatever it is. People push through unsurmountable stuff to achieve their goals if they've got their why in place, you know. Um, and they're really people that draw a huge amount of inspiration from, you know, people that just keep going no matter what. So what is your why? Why do you want to do this? Like for me, being out wild camping is about showing myself that I can. It's about stepping into a bigger game. It's about knowing what's on the other side of fear, which I'm pretty obsessed with. It's quite annoying, really. That means I have to keep getting scared. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, um, and then build an action plan. So once you've got your why, what is your action plan? So I had done quite a bit of wild camping um, by the time I'd done the Tour de Mont Blanc. So it wasn't new to me. The anxiety was just there. I was familiar with the patterns. So work out your steps. You know, are you just going to go somewhere quite local to home? Is that even too far? Do you have to literally start in someone's garden, you know, or start in a campsite and just get, get comfortable with your camping routine? Then build a plan. Where are you going to go? What's your safety network, so to speak, if you need it? For me, I actually tend to find it's much better when I don't have access to any signal. It's even scarier, but it means I can't have the temptation to sort of reach out. I'm there by myself doing it, is learning that self-trust. Yeah. And again, if wild camping is too big a step, do something else that's going to build your self-trust. You know, is it that actually you find um, random small talk really uncomfortable and awkward? Right, go get yourself a coffee and initiate a conversation with that cashier. Oh, you know, maybe like, that's my next step. I can't There do we that. go, mate. Oh, that is, <laughs> because, you just, you know, honestly, I've just got this horrible feeling when you said that then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but this is, this is the thing. It's like it's zoom out before we zoom in. Um, and... So then, you know, you've got your plan. Make sure you head out and or head out and execute that, depending on what your why is. You know, for me, um, last year, 2021, I really started to lean into this wild camping thing. Um, I went and did a solo wild camp, just essentially um, half an hour down the road from here on Exmoor, um, which you can see on, on my channel, uh, which I found pretty tough. It was really tough. Um, and then I wanted to walk the Dartmoor Way, which I did. And that was five nights of back-to-back -back wild camping. And for somebody who quite likes an itinerary, that was a little tough. And I still had my itinerary. I'd already looked at where I was loosely going to stop. And I just had to be malleable and flexible as the days evolved. You know, some days it was too early to stop. Some days I was like, geez, I need to freaking stop. And where <laughs> am I going to get my water? You know, and it was step by step by step. Then um, you mentioned the Ang Anguatan video. So I went up to the Lake District. It was somewhere that I saw on the coast to coast in 2018. And I promised myself one day I would wild camp there. Um, and I went and did that. And that was really quite an easy thing to do and very rewarding because I was that was sort of the full circle. And you know what? I still 
I'm going to continue struggling with wild camping, despite now having done many nights of wild camping by myself. Um, I still feel the the fear, the crippling fear of that that psychosis threat. But it, as what I'm trying to really display with with my steps is that there is no prescriptive order in which one person can do this. But it again, it's about that self trust. It's asking myself, what do I want to do? Why do I want to do it? How do I want to do it? Um, can someone come with me? Do I need to go somewhere that's quite a popular wild camping spot? What am I scared of? Identifying your fears. Is it people? Is it animals? Is it noises? Is it the mist? Is it being too high in the terrain? Is it being down in a valley? Because I find rivers quite a disturbing thing. They're lovely to sit by in the day. You lie by them at night and, geez, they make some weird noises. <laughs> you know, and, and it's that sort of thing that 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 is really important because when we're out there, the most important thing to be comfortable with is ourselves. Um, and wild camping again is a perfect opportunity to build on that and you know what it's also okay if you just can't do it um or you know it's it's just not the right time give yourself that time like i find i'm not a big user of social media at all i find myself getting stressed out looking at it because everyone's off doing fun things and wild camping in this place and they've got this sunrise and i'm like geez man i should be better at this i should be doing more of this there are no shoulds and shouldn'ts in life so give yourself that space for the journey and just take it step by step. And it's absolutely spot on because it's so easy to do when we get immersed within social media. And social media is great. It really is. There's no there's no pretending there. But it's so easy to get sort of worked up about your own life by watching what other people are doing. And you, I do it all the time. Oh, they've managed to get out this weekend. I haven't. Now... And I get a little bit of jealousy and I'm thinking, but that's that's them. I don't even know them. They don't even know me. Like, it doesn't matter. I'll get out when I get out and they might not get out. And just little things like that that can that can really be, that can affect your mindset, your well-being and all of that when you, you get too immersed in social media. But it's, it's definitely important to focus on yourself. I think that that is the key message there, um, definitely. And, and you do a lot of your stuff solo but we'll come on to in a minute. I definitely want to talk about Abbey Bikes Britain, if that's okay, um, because 100%. that was that was a big thing last year and it got a lot of people involved, if anything, um, which is good. But you do a lot of solo stuff as well. Um, so let's talk about it then, because Abbey Bikes Britain last year was massive and uh, I want to want to hear all about it. How did it start? What, what made you think, I'm going to do this? So, yeah, it's such, all right, that's no small question, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so really, you know, I've mentioned my my back in the pain I deal with there, and I've started finding backpacking more and more uncomfortable. Never ever going to park it, um, but honestly, I think about putting a backpack on, and I just feel sick in my chest, and it's like, oh, please no. <laughs> Even though all I want to do is get out there and hike. Um, and so with lockdown and not really being able to backpack, I started cycling more. My partner Anna and I we moved to the edge of Exmoor National Park, which is where we are now at the moment. Um, and it just seemed like a really nice way to get out and explore a bit further. Um, I'm pretty, pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think about? Obsessed. That might be a strong, <laughs> strong word. Um, with training and movement, you know. Again, I believe that we are animals. We're built to move, um, and I'm certainly someone that has to move. Otherwise, there will be consequences. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I started cycling more on a bike that was gifted to me and um, really started enjoying it. And I came up with the idea, I don't remember if it was in the end of 2020 or early 2021, to cycle all of the UK's national parks. And that was basically it. I was like, oh, this could be cool. 
mostly because I was starting to struggle with the UK. Um, having done so much hiking in such a condensed period of time and fallen in love with the Alps and desperately just wanted to travel and then not being able to, I was like, please, just no. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is ridiculous. The UK is incredible. There's so much going on here. So this project seems like something that, that it could take on. And for me, I always need things to look forward to. It's just part of what helps me get up out of bed every day it, it really is a huge remedy to managing my mental well-being is knowing that there's some kind of project that I can tap into um, it gives me that real sense of purpose so this became that um, and my partner Anna was away in the summer and a mate of mine and I basically concocted this plan to cycle uh, from John O'Groats and Dunnett Head because why not so close northernmost point of the country a lot of people think it is John O'Groats but it's not it is Dunnett Head ah. to Land's End and the Lizard, obviously, to get the southernmost point in, yep. via every national park. And it, it, it came out as 2,000 miles. Um, and we wanted to walk to the highest point of every national park as well, because we can, basically. <laughs> Just um, because it's there. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's always the reason. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so Anna comes back from, from being away in the summer, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so this is happening. Uh, do you want to get stuck in? And basically, she had no choice. And being the good sport that she is, um, she came on board and offered a huge amount of support for the project uh, in terms of the, the logistics and the planning. And uh, it was such short notice. Those three months beforehand, basically, uh, were just, oh, geez, absolute nightmare and whirlwind of trying to get sponsorship and build this thing up. And what's the concept and training and falling off the bike and training more and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and there wasn't almost time to breathe and think about what we're actually doing. There was plenty of hesitation saying, should we move this to 2022? But I was absolutely adamant to follow my gut feeling, which is essentially what I live by. Mm. That no, this has to happen now. You know, this is off the back of COVID. This is about community and bringing people together. This is about highlighting in the midst of a worldwide pandemic that we cannot ignore the planet, despite the other noises that are starting to, to come up and shout in our ears all the time. Um, this is about acts of service and giving back. This is about sustainable transport. And you know what? This is just basically about having a good time. So yeah. we had this plan. We set out in August last year, and I believe it was the 28th, was it the 30th of August? Um, we were up in Scotland, setting out from Dunnett's Head, and that was it. Our journey south begun. Um, me on the bike, Anna in the support van, um, and it took us exactly 55 days. We stayed on itinerary to each of the 15 national parks. Um, the walks were open to anybody to get 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 stuck in. Yeah. We had amazing support from National Parks UK and the Campion Caravan Club in particular. And it was an absolutely epic journey. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk through the, the national parks then. So where did we, we head and how far did you, was you traveling each day on the bike? And I, I want to, delve into that because that can't have been easy day after day yeah so um i mean you have to remember obviously it was broken up with the walks so there's 15 walks in total out mm -hmm. of those 55 days we had a few i think it was three rest days factored in we only got one because the other two were so full we had uh, i'll come into some of the challenges later hopefully we can dig into that but yeah please but generally the challenges we faced were actually nothing to do with the project but life outside <laughs> of it yeah um far unexpected but Generally speaking, I was averaging between 50 and 65 miles a day on the bike. Um, didn't sort of set out until like 10-ish because the first part of the trip, I was feeling so unwell. 
um, essentially, I think it was just pure adrenaline that was pumping through my body. I was really struggling to eat, stay hydrated. Um, I was loving life, but my body wasn't keeping up with me. Um, and so what I found is I needed to just eat a little bit in the morning, namely sort of some muesli. Um, and then I had to give it a bit of space to sort of digest, mm. go to the toilet, get myself properly sorted. So I was my initial plan sort of for the day routine was to sort of be started by seven, eight. Uh, that never played out. <laughs> um, and so I'd cycle all day. I'd meet Anna sort of halfway. We had the film guys with us. So they'd occasionally top me up uh, with liquids uh, in the bottles and, you know, grab the odd snack. But I didn't tend to eat too much when I was riding either. Everyone knows I'm quite obsessed with waffles. So I'd always have a waffle with me. Um, and otherwise, not a lot else. And wild, then, wild waffle Wednesday. That's a new wild thing. waffle. Oh, mate, that is it. Can we? Can I love that? <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> Thank you. So grateful. Um, yeah. Then we'd we'd reach the end of the day. Anna would sometimes be at camp. Sometimes camp would be off route. So I would meet her in the van, and we'd drive to camp, say another ten miles down the road or something. Um, then it would basically be stretching, shower, food, bed. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it again, there was a lot of faffing. We never quite managed to get our routine for a number of reasons. Again, we'll, we can come to that. Um, but those were the cycle days, and which I, I loved being on the bike. Just every time I pulled out from camp, pure elation and just gratitude for my body. You know, I loved everything about the scope of the project. We had a, a van that we were, you know, we managed to get 50% off, which was great for us. Yeah, um, Both of us had secondhand bikes. You know, this was not a shiny swanky project this was purely just two lasses doing something they're very passionate about pulling this together by the skin of our teeth and then the hiking days so basically to give you the order of the national parks in case you're interested we started with the Cairngorms uh, so that's Ben McDewey then we had the Trossachs which is Ben Moore then we had Northumberland which was a Cheviot so Anna and I just walked that by ourselves in the end because that was so out there um, <laughs> and we had a good time with that one then it was the Lake District Scarfell Pike then it was the Yorkshire Dales, which was Wernside. Then it was the North York Moors, which was Urra Moor, which is not really a peak to speak of. So we just had a nice walk around the moors with people. We dropped down to the Broads, which, again, doesn't really have a highest point. So we did well, a boat. The highest day point there. was probably some steps in the local village. <laughs> Pretty wasn't it? much. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that church fire over there. <laughs> um, that was a really great day, actually. We went for a little boat ride around the nature reserve um, and sort of learned about really how rising sea level is, is threatening that national park, um, but also how, in a way, that is a form of rewilding since it's pretty much man-made anyway. Yeah. Um, cut up to the Peak District, which was uh, Kinder Scouts. Then we headed to Wales, and that was Snowdon in Snowdonia. It was yeah. one I can't pronounce in, still can't pronounce, in the Pembrokeshire <laughs> coast. Um, then it was Penny Fan in um, the Brecon Beacons. Then, then down south, and we had just to run through these really quickly South Downs Way, New Forest, uh, not Way, South Downs, New Forest, Exmoor, Dartmoor, Land's End, and the Lizard. So it's, it takes wow. a long time to say because it was a long time to travel. <laughs> wow, even to remember all of that, that was good going. Well so ingrained in the system now. I'm almost <laughs> like, should I just tattoo this map on my body now? <laughs> yes, you should. You then, definitely yeah, I should. Have considered that but then that I'm is like, a I'm back piece waiting to happen. It. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, wow, um, what an yeah. incredible journey that is! I, I don't know where to start. Oh, I, I want to ask you what was your favourite bit, but I'm, I know the answer will be all of it. Um, <laughs> the Cairngorms—that's that's a place in itself that not many people get to go to. Mm. Um, 
some of those, I mean, you, you climbed some big peaks there as well in between all that cycling. So it must have had a, a, a toll, a, a, quite a toll on your body um, mm. throughout the end, uh, throughout that journey. Was there any point where you, you sort of got any niggles or injuries that you, you needed to deal with? I mean, really, I was dealing with, with my back injury day to day anyway. Um, there were the odd moments where I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a push. But the honest thing is, is that I think it's just what I'm built for. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I get to that level of physical exhaustion, that's the key phrase. That's where I definitely seem to uh, to thrive and flourish. And it's something I don't tend to tap into or get to tap into very much day to day. It's only on these sort of more extreme trips that it's like, oh, yeah. there's definitely another side to me that I don't get to see very much. And I guess that's what and draws you back to do these exactly, things as well. Exactly. Yeah. And honestly, like on this trip, in one sense, I was the happiest and most healthy and well I've ever been in my life. Um, it it was just it was it was just incredible. You know, um, we faced a lot of setbacks, a lot of challenges um, in in a lot of ways that, again, were not to do with the project, but more life outside of the project, uh, which became very all consuming and put a lot of stress and strain between Anna and I. Um, we hadn't anticipated that or planned it. And we're still dealing with the repercussions of that, but we're trying to grow stronger through them. Um, and what we're seeing in the three films that we've produced is that's really what comes across. There's not a lot of talk of, oh, this is tough in yeah. a physical sense. It's just like, you know, you can you can tell it's tough for us and what we're going through and Anna in her retrospective world and me and mine and having to essentially sort of support myself in that sense in an emotional way. We went through a lot and I'm I'm really proud of us for what we did go through. You know, it's very personal and it's we, we can't really share the ins and outs, nor do we want mm. to of what happened um, publicly. Only the two of us know that. And it's that's a very humbling thing that we have that story between us, um, no matter how hard it was. But, you know, we we did our best and we promised ourselves when we set out that if it gets too much in whatever way, um, we would give ourselves permission to step out of the project for even just half a day. And we did that um, in Northumberland. Anna got some very hard news. And so we decided to take the morning to go to a castle because I love castles and yeah. she likes seeing me love castles. Um, Bangberg Castle, highly recommend. Um, <laughs> and another point in the middle near Rutland, we spontaneously decided to go skydiving. <laughs> wow. Um, so that happens and that's in the film. Um it was sort of Anna's belated birthday present to me and we made she made that happen and that was again completely off the cuff within half an hour of sitting in the field seeing skydivers we were wrapped up in a plane ready to jump out ourselves. Oh um, wow. So that that sort of stuff and you know I really do hope I, I kept a very detailed diary along the way that I can write about this one day. Um, because the films, you know, we have three one-hour episodes that are going to come out in YouTube in the middle of May. Uh, follow on social for more information. <laughs> and, um, you know, they they only share so much, as a film ever can. Yeah. Uh, and, and it really would be nice to let people in a little bit further as to what happened. Again, those highs and the lows um, to to, again, show people that no matter what you're facing, if your mind is set, if you've got the right people around you, if you believe enough to keep going, you will make it in the end. Um, and we made it. And honestly, reaching the yeah. end was was bittersweet, but it's one of the best things. Well, to, that's that's life. the point, isn't it? <laughs> to be able to look back now and say yeah. that that was still one of the best things, despite the setbacks, despite yeah. the personal things that were going on at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we can all relate to that one way or another, where... We've had to deal with things, but actually looking back, 
coming through it is part of that challenge and part of why we enjoyed it so much. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward. I really am looking forward to seeing these these new feature length videos um, <laughs> from Abbey Bikes Britain. So I want to touch on that then because I, I did ask the question and and I think I know what the answer is all of it. But one memorable day from the whole from the whole project. Well, obviously I've mentioned the skydiving now, so I won't yeah. plug that in again. <laughs> One memorable day. Just give this two seconds of thought because, you know, there's only 55 to scan through. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Ben McDewey was was an amazing experience. When we were up there, we had a, a temperature inversion. So if you're unfamiliar nice. with that term, essentially we were above the clouds like you are in a plane. Um, we had the Brock Inspector, and it was the first mountain, first time either of us had been in the Cairngorms. The group was lovely. It was a beautiful hot day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, drama. Get the book as soon as it's out because you will find out about the drama. <laughs> um, but that was that was amazing. And I think for Anna and I, it really cemented that this is this is happening now. You know, it was all sort of such a whirlwind and a living in a dream almost. And when we stood on top of Ben McDewey and we looked at each other, it was like, geez, man. This is this is happening. So yeah, yeah. I'll pick that one for now, but I'm sure many more will pop to mind. I'm later. sure they will. I'm sure we'll all we'll all be able to share that soon and and pick our own favourite. So the video's coming out in May, um, in three parts. So we'll look out for that, and obviously on social media. What I want to do now is ask you, like, where next? Because I know that you you put some videos on um, from when you'd got back from uh, the project. And of when you actually walk through through the door of the house and you're like, this is weird. <laughs> I'm at home again. <laughs> I've been away all this time and now yeah. I'm back here. Um, so that must be different as well. Like going from the highs and the lows of uh, and knowing, focused, knowing what you've got to do each day. You've got to get to your next destination. You're cycling there and you've got this itinerary that you need to stick to. And, and then to come back home and try and fit back into what is – what is essentially normal life, I guess. That must have been quite difficult. And I've no doubt that at that point you were probably already starting to plan your next adventure. So what I want to ask you next is what where do we go from here? What is next for um for Wild and Abby? Well I really struggled with this actually towards the end. I mean the end was on my mind from the middle as it generally is for people when they're on a big trip. You're like, oh man, this is gonna end at some point. Yeah. Or I could keep just going around the world, but you know. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, I, Anna and I again had our own retrospective journeys, and for me, my focus was like, okay, you know, I have been trying over the years to bring my trail self into day-to-day -day self because that's definitely the person I most admire the most. It's the most confident, outgoing, joyful person. It's definitely me at my best, and the different elements of being out there that I can bring into normal life, quote unquote in order just to empower myself and mm. really I set myself the goal of right wild needs some serious attention now because you know if we're going to share this story in the way that we want to share it if we're building the connections and the partnerships then that needs time you know how can we get this pod back off on the road you know and all of these different things and so really this has become my my project wild you know and, and not that it wasn't before but I think in a very new way, I feel very responsible, um, very privileged. And I wake up excited because I've managed to bring it into alignment with who I am and, and what the vision is again in, an, in, a, in a renewed way. Um, so that was the first leg of that. And the second 
uh, is, well, I have in front of me a big sticky board pile of um, <laughs> sticky notes, rather, of, of all the different options. <laughs> um, and actually, Abbey Bikes Britain came off the back of me wanting to ski solo across Greenland, which wasn't really going to happen because it doesn't, I can't see the connection there. But... <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, it was it was because of COVID um, that that I this one took priority. Uh, Abbey Bikes Britain. Um, I've always wanted to do a polar expedition. Um, I want to shoot a proper film stuff again for that because I, yeah. I, I feel that being out in a very bleak polar environment is a, is an amazing metaphor for again what it can be like dealing with mental health alone um, and to sort of actually potentially use that as an opportunity to share my personal story in a very new way. Um, mm. But really, you know, I haven't got anything that's like this is the the focus. There's a lot of trails and things I'd like to try and get back on, but I'm trying not to isolate out routes and stuff anymore. Like I definitely have ones that excite me more, and I write those down. Um, but my 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 project right now is to build harmony within my body so that I can continue doing what I'm doing for a very long time. You know, it's to maintain my fitness. Uh, it's to work on my my physical injuries um or mm -hmm. illnesses whatever the phrase is with my back um is to continue building my mental resilience you know it's to build wild up in a way that it can be left as a legacy and i know that sounds ridiculous but anything can happen at any point and i want to build yeah. the team um so that we can really reach as many people as possible so we're looking at pu putting on a lot more events um really already putting stuff in place for 2023 in terms of walk ambassadors and all sorts of different exciting things um yeah I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely sat down more than I'd like, but I get up and move for two or three hours a day and um, <laughs> suits me just fine at the moment. So. <laughs> Excellent. And I think that that is, it's nice actually, because I always think that you've got to have something big to look forward to, but actually sometimes you need to focus on the, the smaller things and which are the foundations for those bigger things. And those bigger things don't happen unless you've got those things in place and in uh, and harmonized, I guess is the one way of putting it just as you did there. So, yeah, I like that. I think it's very easy to to build a life where we always have to have things to look forward to. But the best life we can build is one where we look forward to every day. And I think, you know, part of that is just an, um, an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and we are fully in control of what we build around us, you know, what our day to day looks like. And I know for a lot of people, they feel very stuck. You know, I do one-to-one -one coaching and many people are just feeling completely stuck. But my job is to help empower them and see outside of the walls that they've built around themselves because actually they're not really there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And we can free ourselves if, if that's really where we have a hand to steer us. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely definitely the mission I'm on as well. And if that resonates at all with anybody who's listening, I think that the, the only thing that we can do now is is end it there and point them in the right direction. How can people be inspired to get outdoors for the benefits of their physical and their mental well-being? I mean, the best thing I'll say is get outside, man. Like no oh, one that's, ever that's one thing. That's one thing you can say. <laughs> that's one thing you can say. If exactly. it's a really, really rainy and cold day and you didn't want to get outside, how else do you think they could do it? <laughs> well, if they want to tap into to wild platforms, so we've got the website. You can find out all sorts of different stuff on there. Most of the links are on there as well um, for everything we've talked about here, podcast, YouTube. Um, that's spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Um, if you want to get in touch, then drop us an email at info at spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. FYI, it is a long email, but bear with. Um, <laughs> there's social media. 
there's uh, so basically Instagram and Facebook are my main platforms. Um, if you are able to offer any support, we're still finalising some fundraising for Abbey Bikes Britain just to cover the last bit of post-production costs. Um, we've got a GoFundMe page there and any support would be so greatly uh, received. So thank you for that. And generally speaking, YouTube is also a really great way to get stuck in. Um, there's videos on how to start backpacking. There's a lot more cycling stuff now as well. Yeah. Um, hiking, many trails that you, you might want to do. So definitely go get inspired. Um, and lastly, if you'd like to get stuck in with the community, if you're lacking that around you in a physical sense, then please do join our online community. Um, that's patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the wild. Um, we've got nearly 300 members from all around the world who are full-time stuck in this Facebook page. We do Zooms where we all hang out, live sessions, giveaways, one-to-ones, uh, all sorts of jowls to get stuck in. Um, and hopefully people will find a new family there because, you know, it's not just about making friends, but it's really about building those connections that are built to last. Perfect. And what we'll do is we'll share all of those in the uh, in the show notes as well so that people can follow those links. Thank you so much uh, for giving me your time this morning and for giving the podcast your time. It's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you and and hearing a bit more detail about your uh, your life and your projects that you've had going on and what's to come. So I'm really excited to see the, the, the videos when they come out in May. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been good. <laughs> It was great to chat with Abby and to hear about her adventurous life, as well as the honesty about her own mental health. Check out Abby's website, which is in the show notes, and you'll be able to follow the links to her YouTube channel and see what she's up to on the other social media platforms too. I hope you enjoyed listening, and if you did, please leave a five-star rating if you're using Spotify or iTunes, and hit the follow button so that you can catch future episodes as soon as they drop. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can buy me a coffee by following the podcast link in my bio. Every penny helps with the overheads of producing the podcast, so I really appreciate your support. There, you'll also be able to check out the Summits to Talk About Facebook community and my Instagram page as well. Until next time, happy trails.